Welcome back, FF Dynasty 260 proudly presents episode 15 of the Redraft Podcast. This week we are recapping week 12. Pat is out tonight, so I'll be stepping in as your host. I am the at-home dad, and you can find me on Twitter at FF the at-home dad. And tonight I'm being joined by Mike and John. So Mike, tell the people where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at MikeSports22. Got all kinds of content coming out like every week. John, tell the people where they can find you at. John McGlynn, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Meathead underscore 75. Uh, rough week for me this this week. Uh, my son lost in the 8A high school championship. By the way, high school lost a heartbreaker to Loyola to end their, his senior season in football. That's uh, my favorite. on bad this week. Oof. See, I was, I'm, I'm upset about my, my, my made-up fantasy teams, and you actually have real uh, – They went undefeated. They went three – there's the freshman, sophomore, and senior season went completely undefeated, and they lost their last game, which was the championship game in the 8-8 Illinois State Championship game to Loyola, which uh, was tough. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive that you made it all the way there. So hopefully, hopefully – uh, Hopefully he'll be able to get a, a nice little college run with uh, some people looking at him and stuff like that. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, just make sure everybody knows what our main Twitter handle is. You can find all of us at uh, FFD260. We put out tons of content, lots of news, everything you need as the week progresses and beyond. And uh, we're going to jump into some player news with some injuries, which is always a sad part of the week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with what hurts the most first. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. Melvin Gordon is probably done for your fantasy season. Um, and it, it, it hurts a lot. Melvin Gordon, he has an MCL sprain. It's the... Um, it's a grade two MCL sprain, which we talked about in the very beginning of the season. We talked about it in the middle of the season. There's, um, he's, he's now the third big name guy that we're talking about having the same issue with a grade two MCL sprain, which is actually a slight tear in the MCL, uh, which some people can get by with only a couple of weeks, but it is going to be a at least a couple of weeks, if not three to four, if he's even coming back at 100%. Um, so if you have Melvin Gordon, hopefully you have Austin Eckler, or hopefully you have some kind of uh, parachute in, on your bench, because otherwise... Uh, yeah, you're, you're falling, falling from glory fast. And, uh, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. So (laughs) anything about Melvin Gordon here? I wouldn't expect him to be back this year combined with, like you said, the couple week injury, some guys may be able to bounce back sooner than others, but given how important he is to the team's long-term success and the fact that they are kind of locked into that number five wildcard spot. I would fully expect the Chargers to just sit him down for the rest of the year and have him ready to go for a playoff run. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I, uh, you, you got Austin Eckler, you know Jackson. You might as well use what you got on the bench for a couple of weeks while you're in while you're in the driver's seat. Um, you got plenty of other weapons on the team to use while he gets healthy. So, so real quick, impromptu bet. 
who has more touches this week? Because I hear a lot of people going back and forth. Who has more touches this week? No explanation. Pick a guy. Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler. Who has more touches in that Chargers backfield? Austin Eckler. Yeah, I'd say Eckler. Although, if the game gets out of hand early or whatever. I, I, we said no explanation. <laughs> uh, and, and, which was great because whenever Pat does this, I'm always the one that talks the most afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be contrarian then. I'm gonna go Justin Jackson. I actually think he has a. I think Austin Eckler kind of showed a little bit earlier in the season that they don't really want to give him 20 touches. He doesn't doesn't hold up well to it. So I think they're gonna definitely. I think it's gonna be a very close to 50 split, if not leaning a little bit uh, Jackson's way. Um, I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree 100 that it'll be a lot closer than people think, but. I just think Eckler will do a lot more with the with the touches he he has. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's why we didn't we didn't bet on fantasy points. All <laughs> right. Uh, moving on. Uh, some guys that are done for the year officially. Uh, Andy Dalton on IR with um, torn thumb ligaments, uh, which is kind of important for a quarterback to be able to uh, hold on to a football. Uh, Jeff Driscoll had a. Nice game, um, kind of in his absence. Uh, John, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, good old uh, Red Rifles backup. Uh, yeah, I don't project much. Playing Denver this week, which seventh against the past, um, I don't expect much out of him this week. Um, but he is someone that if you need, if you're in a super flex or a two quarterback league, uh, you know he's going to be there the rest of the year. So it's worth a pickup, worth some of your fab budget, worth um, you know one of your your next, your next waiver bid, it, it, you, I'd go out of my way to pick him up if I was in a, you know, even a super flex, but definitely a two quarterback league. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Stop cutting me off, Mike. No, go ahead. You and I keep doing this. It's crazy, but I, I agree with what uh, John's saying there. You know, people are going to say, well, him versus the other guy we're going to go over in a minute here. And I think it's clearly Driscoll because he has the job. Dalton's done. There's nothing to do about it. And this Bengals team is still, while maybe not mentally in the playoff race, mathematically they're still in. So two QB super flex, go pick them up. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like the Bengals at this point, are they're essentially going to pack it in. Um, you might get a couple of good games out of Driscoll just because he's trying to get, you know, somebody to look at him, to trade for him, sign him some kind of contract um, deal, extension, whatever. But uh I mean, you have AJ Green that people are talking about just not coming back. Now Andy Dalton's not going to come back. Uh, they, you know, Mixon, Mixon and Driscoll are going to carry the team. That just doesn't seem very appealing to me. No, you might get some garbage time production out of him though if you're in a bind. But yeah. it's it's a long shot best at bet at best. Yeah. Does this hurt Tyler Boyd? I mean, it's going to hurt him some. Is that going to hurt Tyler Boyd to the point where he falls, you know, falls from his potential wide receiver one numbers that he's putting up at week, every now and then? Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't count him as a wide receiver one anyway. So um, Boyd is more of a mid range wide receiver two at best for me. So I don't really. Um, I, I didn't expect much from him. Someone's got to throw the ball and someone's got to catch the ball. So that's just the way it is. Boyd and Ross will get tons. You know, you're 
Um, Uzama might get a couple more throws too, but it's they're, they're probably going to lean on Mixon. Yeah, I, I don't think Boyd's going to be anywhere near what he was doing. You're probably talking a flex player at this point at best. And their schedule the rest of the way out after this week is not very pretty either. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, another guy out for the season, now officially Marvin Jones. They put him on IR with the knee injury. Um, I mean, I feel like this is – we saw that kind of happening a little bit there. Uh, one that we didn't kind of see happening was Jack Doyle suddenly out with a kidney um, kidney issue. Uh, from what I saw, just said that he had a procedure done on his kidney, um, and he should be fine, but he is done for the season. Uh, so my boy Ebron, oh, so excited. <laughs> uh, sticking with the Colts, though, this game, Marlon Mack also went out with a concussion. Uh, it's unknown right now kind of where he's at. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this pod, we might have a little bit more information, uh, but definitely somebody to pay attention to because this could be maybe a Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins firing up, uh, even though they're going up against a pretty stingy um, Jacksonville defense. Uh, any any thoughts on those guys before we, we move on? Mm, no, not really. I'll touch on Mac a little bit more later, but it, it's – it's always uh, concerning when you see a player getting a concussion because they always react differently to it. Some guys, you know, clear the protocol right away, and some guys take two, three weeks to do so. So definitely keep your eye on the injury report and see what happens. Yeah, they're playing a number two running defense this week anyway. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I don't expect much from anybody on the team. Yeah. Uh, and just real quick, one last piece of injury news. Joe Flacco still out with the hip. Uh, this is a really interesting kind of situation where the Ravens may keep Flacco out just because Lamar Jackson is kind of exciting to watch play. Um, and they're doing all right with him. So as long as Lamar Jackson isn't losing them games and Joe Flacco isn't practicing, they're probably going to keep Flacco out. Um, and leave Lamar Jackson in. Uh, so, you know, that 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 could be fun fun to see what happens there. Um, into other news, uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, they finally got the hook out, ripped him off the stage, uh, but the, their only replacement act was Cody Kessler. Um, any, anything here, guys? I mean... Is there an impact? Is this like long term? Does this does this help any anyone anywhere? Only if you're playing an owner who has Blake Bortles and has been MIA. But other than that, no. Yeah. No. They just have to do. They have to make some kind of change. The, the lock. That whole organization is a mess. From the you know the the coaching to the locker room to the players to everything back and forth. Uh, there's nothing going to change. You know, just changing a quarterback isn't going to solve any problems in Jacksonville. Be it's just it's a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. And sticking with Jacksonville, the their one bright spot, even though I was dropping him down a little bit uh last week, uh he actually had a good game until he he went full fisticuffs uh with one of the Bills players. I'm talking about Leonard Fournette. He's suspended for one game. He is appealing it. I personally don't think that he's going to avoid this one game suspension. I think he's definitely going to get suspended for it. Uh, I mean, it just 
it literally stopped the game for what felt like forever. But I think it was like five minutes where not only were the two guys actually involved in the play, um, the wide receiver and the cornerback that were like fighting for the ball for like five minutes afterwards, like Leonard Fournette and who was it? Um, Jack Lawson. Jack Lawson. Yeah. They like weren't involved in the play at all and just started throwing punches with helmets still on, by the way, which just makes no sense, sense to me. at all. Yeah. The NFL, I doubt it's going to get overturned. By the time you guys hear this, there'll be a ruling on his appeal, but I doubt it's going to get overturned. The NFL is going to want to show that they are serious about this nonsense fighting, especially like you said, we had nothing to do with the play whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And they're also, if they're going to look at the politic angle of it, Jaguars are the playoff picture. The Colts are probably going to win either way. You know what? Let's make a stand here and suspend Fournette showing, hey, even our star players, we don't have no tolerance for this nonsense. So don't don't bank on having Fournette this week either. Yeah. So my dropping him, I meant for this week when I was dropping him down last week. You're a week yeah. early. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeldon, back up. Uh, I would say fire him up. Colts defense is you know, definitely a lot better than people thought they were going to be. Uh, but I could see Yeldon having a halfway decent game out of this one. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I got a pretty split between um, Yeldon and Carl side. I think they're just going to, they're both going to handle the ball about the same. I don't see a difference there. I don't favor any of them. Maybe Yeldon a touch more, uh, but that's it. Yeah. Both guys are a risk because you don't know, how the breakdown's going to go. Since they acquired Hyde, they've had one game where Fournette's been out, and that was Hyde's first game. It was kind of fluky and everything else. Uh, PPR, you obviously want Yeldon because of the catch-up side. Standard, you probably want Hyde because of the goal line work. Um, half point, you probably want Hyde, given the fact that the Colts are probably going to be ahead and Jaguars are going to be a negative game script. And with Cody Kessler's noodle arm, we're going to see a lot of check-down stuff. So give me Yeldon. I kind of want to fade Hyde this week. Nice. All right, so we're going to do something uh, brand new, a little segment called Losing the Faith. So this is basically a guy that that you actually have or had on your roster uh, up until this point that you are just done with. You've completely lost faith. You're going to be cutting them this week. You're contemplating cutting them. Or he's like somebody that you're like, oh, I I need to cut them, but there's something that I just – can't quite do it yet, even though I, I just have no, just no faith left in them. Um, so, Mike, why don't you kick it off? Uh, who is on your roster or uh, started started last week for you or was on your roster last week that you just have lost the faith in? Well, he was on my roster and I started him and it's frustrating as hell. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I we all... Saw what he did last year in Miami and was impressed. Think he's going to go to Cleveland. They're, you know, hopefully there'll be a better run organization with Baker in the fall, the running game, et cetera. And he has just totally been a ghost the last couple of weeks. Prior to, the, you know, the Hugh Jackson fire and the OC change, everything else, he was 13 points a game, had two touchdowns, four red zone targets. Pretty solid production, not wide receiver one stuff, but, you know, PPR is a low end wide receiver two. Since the OC change, 7.1 points per game, zero touchdowns, one lousy red zone target. They are focusing on the running game, getting a Joku back involved. Callaway starting to shine. The only reason I haven't dropped his ass yet is because it's a dynasty league and I need him. But 
in redraft leagues, um, it, it's getting to the point where it's like you're just going to have to drop him and hope that, you know, those come at the bite you. However, his playoff schedule is semi-wide receiver friendly. So, yeah, it's a double-edged sword there. Frustrating, but you hope he turns around the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers are just the the worst for this type of thing because it's so e- so much easier to lose faith in them when they, they just have that game where they're just not involved at all. Uh, and on that same vein, John, who, who are you losing the faith? In? Yeah, we're talking about not involved. Uh, when the season started, I, I had big, big expectations for Nelson Aguilar. Um, he actually had a pretty decent games to start the season, a couple of eight, nine catch games, uh, went down to four and five, you know, then he got nothing but dink and dunk passes you know, three yards here, four yards there. He was getting a couple of receptions, but nothing to show for it. And then as soon as the bye came, it was, uh, it, 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 they got golden Tate and that, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin for, for, for Nelson Aguilar. Um, since then he's really done nothing. Uh, he, the, the week when they, when they got Tate, he got five for 83, uh, five for 85, something like that. And then he, I think he got shut out the next game and then, you know, just one last minute grab against the giants. Uh, I, I think he's just going to be lost there. I thought maybe uh, with the addition of Tate, he with pushing Aguilar to the outside. He might get instead of four or five, three yard catches, like he was doing most of the season, he might get some long distance, maybe 10, 15, 20 yard catch on the outside, but they're not even looking at him anymore. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's me. It, it's a crowded wide receiver court now. The whole offense is just falling apart. They aren't putting up points at all. The only catch he had was the critical fourth down catch against the Giants, nothing against New Orleans. So, yeah, you're right, John. It's become just totally just unbearable to even watch. Yeah, even the quarterback plays, it's not, you know, know, Carson Wentz isn't doing that good. He's got a lot of it. He's throwing an interception almost every game, if not every game. Uh, He's putting in bad situations sometimes. He's not. Uh, he's kind of at a low point in his, in his career right now. He was doing, you know, I, I expect that to uptick sometime soon, hopefully, but he's not looking like the kind of Carson Wentz that we all know. Uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Um, but first I'm going to jump into the guy that I'm losing. Uh, I've lost faith in, I literally put in my waiver claims and he's my cut guy. Uh, and it's Jordan Howard. And I started the year so high on him and it looked like he was going to, it looked like he was going to be all right. And the fact that like he's had a decent amount of touches in certain games and then other games just fallen off completely. And most recently against the lions it's the lions. Come on now. I mean, they did get better now that they have snacks Harrison there, but I mean, that that's one guy and he's, his, he's only topped four yards per carry twice the entire season. Yeah, it's, it's Jordan Howard's one of those guys we drafted early on with confidence, and it just went sideways from there. It they didn't even bother to run the ball against the Lions, despite not having Trubisky. So you know, it. it he, he had, I, I dropped he had, him in my league. Seven too. attempts, seven yeah. attempts this past week. 
Yeah. I, I totally expect him to get traded in the offseason. I just don't think he fits Nagy's offense. I think they like Cohen. They'll draft another guy who's, you know, more adapt to that offense. It, it's just, yeah, it's time to put Howard on the waiver wire and redraft leagues, guys. Which just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, though. Like, like I get Tyreek Cohen's, like, skill set. I get that that's a valuable asset. But there's also something to be said that, like, for and I keep going back to this this one like concept for literally every yard that he gains for your team, like he's running more than almost everybody else in the entire league. Like that's not how you that that's not efficient for a running back. That's not how you gain yardage, and that's why you see he has plays where literally he just destroys a drive because it's, you know, second and six and they get him something out on the perimeter. But instead of just dropping his shoulder, running up field, he turns field, turns back into the other side, tries to come back around. He ends up losing like 10 yards because he's trying to dance the whole time. And it, it drives me crazy. Just like, you know, as a, as a football fan to watch Tyreek Cohen do this stuff and, and, and have to sit here and hear everybody say it, that he just doesn't, that Jordan Howard doesn't fit Matt Nagy's offense, but this does dance around, lose 10 yards on certain plays that just kills a drive. Being from Chicago and seeing Jordan Howard for the last couple of years, he doesn't fit this offense. He was a John Fox specialty. He had a fullback in front of him half time when Fox was in here with the run, run, run. Uh, now he runs. It seems like the Bears offensive line is not made for running the ball. They're a passing offensive line. You know, people argue with that. Say that, you know, they make room for Cohen, but Cohen's shifty. He, know, he can find the small holes where How- Howard needs a block a back in front of him and a good running start to plow through somewhere. He's a good short yardage back. He had a couple thousand yard seasons, but this is not the offense that Nagy wanted. They tried to, you know, the rumors were all over the place. They're trying to trade Jordan Howard in the offseason. Uh, I know, I feel, I knew that was true, but they wouldn't admit they were trying to trade him. Uh, it was Rumorville. Nobody bid on the bait. Um, he does not fit this offense. He's got a real small contract, though. That's the problem. And he's uh, he's a good, cheap backup for, for Cohen. He might be here for another year on this contract, where, you know, just sitting here rotting away in this offense. I, I hope he gets traded the offseason to the Eagles or somebody else that can use a back like him. But I have a feeling because of his price and how cheap he is, he's not going anywhere next year either. Yeah. And, and, and again, I complete, I completely get it. I get the whole argument about Cohen fitting the offense better, but it, it just drives me crazy to think like you can't find a way to, to get Howard involved. They he, do. And he doesn't do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. They, 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 they didn't in the Lions game. Well, they didn't give anybody the ball in the Lions game. They ran the ball like, you know, 18% of the plays at that. It was it's kind of like with DeMarco Murray a few years back when he went from Dallas to Philly. He went from a downhill running scheme to the east-west kind of nonsense and it just didn't work. Howard needs to be moved on. And with his contract, you're right, John, they don't have any incentive to move him because it doesn't cost them anything to keep him around as a backup. But they don't have many draft picks. They don't have a first or a second because of previous trades. So if somebody offers them a third or a fourth in a running back class that is mediocre probably, uh, they should move him, and I think they will. I hope so for fantasy reasons and for, for, for the bears reasons, because nobody wants to go to a bears game and watch Jordan Howard get the ball 18 times for 43 yards, you know, and, 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 you know, everybody started MF him and boom in the stands and it's not, 
it's not fair to him that they don't have the offense set up. It's not fair to the Bears that they, they have to use him, you know, to keep the guys somewhat happy. It's not fair to anything. It's, it's just a clog in the offense. Yeah. Which is, again, I, I, I agree. I, I hope they trade him because I, I feel like he's, you know, he's not an elite back by any means, but he's talented enough where he should be doing more than what he's doing. Um, and, and I have no choice but to agree with the fact that he doesn't fit into the, the scheme. Um, anyways, we get we ready to move on, guys? Yeah, let's get moving. All right. Uh, so let's jump into uh, some quarterback play here. Um, I know I just went on a little bit of a ramp, but I'm going to make this a, a, a short one because this actually ties back to uh, what John was just saying um, before with Nelson Aguilar and a little bit with uh, that whole Eagles offense. Um, the quarterback that I'm really questioning right now, and like I just, I, I he's almost a losing the faith type of guy for me um, right in the moment is Carson Wentz. The Eagles just, uh, it, it was like they won that game against the Giants. But I really feel like the Giants just were like, wait a minute, wait, we we forgot the plan. We're supposed to be trying for a draft pick here, people. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Saquon, you have 150 all-purpose yards. You won my fantasy this week. Uh, we're going to sit you for the rest uh, after halftime, which literally everyone was like, what? Yeah. Um, so I'm going with Carson Wentz. Something just seems off in that entire offense um and yeah i mean aside from aside from Ertz, i just i just don't i don't see things clicking for him and may, maybe that bounces back but i'm 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 not seeing it right now i tend to agree with you uh i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit later on when we get to the receivers but yeah it, this whole offense is just seems out of whack and I can't place my finger on why it is. I mean, Golden Tate comes in and everything just goes to hell, but it's like, it's not his doing. It's just Alshon's not getting it done. The offensive line's not getting it done. Carson Wentz, zero fantasy points against the Saints last week. It's like, it's just that weird thing. We just can't place our finger on. It's like, it's unusual. And, and they're actually going up. I mean, the Redskins are completely decimated right now on the offensive side of the ball. So no one, no one wants to talk about them in terms of fantasy, but their defense is still a, a they're still a halfway decent defense and a defense that can you know put pressure on the quarterback um and i mean Wentz can move around a little bit Dak was able to move around and be able to create some things um against washington's defense but if you're going if you're comparing the giants defense versus the redskins defense i got to give it to the the redskins Oh, yeah, easily, because the Redskins have numerous pieces that are, you know, young, up and coming. They got, you know, proven players, whether it's Norman, Swearinger, et cetera. The Giants, outside of Landon Collins and, you know, maybe uh, Janoris Jenkins, they got a bunch of average to mediocre guys at best. So, no, the defense is a totally difference, totally different, both different ballparks. And and Landon Collins was amazing in that Giants – Eagles game. He was literally all over the place in that game. Um, and, and the Eagles, you know, they, they still didn't look good against 
that Giants defense, which is is beatable in in so many ways. So many ways. Yeah, the, oh, all right. So that that's the guy I'm I'm dropping down. Um, let, let let's go on. The, let's keep let's keep this negative flow of energy going. Uh, Mike, who are you dropping down? Um, dropping down. I'm dropping Trubisky down for this week, and we kind of touched on this earlier about his health. Is he going to be ready to go this week? Uh, the initial report was that Trubisky would have been good to go if the game was on Sunday. Now there's reports saying he's maybe the play. Some believe the Bears aren't letting on what's going on with his shoulder. Um, but six one kind of half doesn't know that doesn't matter. I'm not playing with the Giants this week. You know, everybody's back from the buys. He's out of my top 15 quarterbacks. Uh, we talked about the Giants defense. They're not very good, and, and yet they've done well against opposing quarterbacks, giving up just 16 points per game. And have held opposing QBs under 14 in three of the last four games. Um, it, it's going to be a dogfight kind of a game. Uh, John's going to touch on it later on in terms of the scoring aspect. I just I don't like this. I'd rather play 15 other guys easily. Yeah. And, and again, the Giants matchup just seems like such a juicy one. But you're right. There's there's so much insert, uncertainty there. So plus yeah. Trubisky is very much hot and cold over his was like last uh, three games. He scored under 15 points twice. So while the Bears are winning in spite of Trubisky at times, your, your fantasy team is you get amazed by the four touchdown games, the six touchdown game against Tampa, but then you forget about the down lulls they have at times. So yeah, it, too much risk for me going into the playoffs, especially against a on paper good matchup. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and again, it's a, that on paper matchup that looks looks so nice. Um, what about you, John, with uh, Matt Stafford? Uh, Stafford's just not getting it done. He's, uh, you know, everybody, this, this, you know, I think we talked about him before. It, everybody had penciled him into being a top five quarterback this year. Uh, he had a lot of weapons, good offense. Uh, you know, they drafted a running back that was going to take some pressure off him. Uh, and uh, just as the year went on, he keeps getting, he gets worse and worse and worse. And it's, uh, the, he's got the Rams this week, which is a, uh, you know, they have a pretty bad defense for all the players they have, which is crazy, but I still don't, I don't think that's the defensive line. He's, he's going to be running for his life this week. I don't see anything in the future. The Rams, you know, the Cardinals have a pretty good defense. Buffalo's got a good defense, Minnesota, green Bay. He's got a tough schedule in front of him and I don't see him anything. I don't see him improve at all with, uh, the, with what he's got going on. I, yeah. uh, so that's just why I, I'm moving him down because I, I, I I feel bad for him with that murderous role of defenses he has got coming up. You you don't expect Legarrette Blount to push the defense uh, around, giving him you know better passing opportunities. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, no. that, he just he finds his way to get get things done. I don't know how he goes place to place and just you know bumbles his way through to get good fantasy points, but. You know, he, but he, he chews on the clock and he gets some, you know, he gets. He, he falls gets in his, the end zone. That's how. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. That's what he does. He finds a way to fall in the end zone and get his, you know, 12 to 18 fantasy points every week. And it's like, he's so maddening. Yeah. Um, staff, I'm with you. Stafford, I dropped weeks ago. I think it's, like I said, the playoff schedule is horrible. They've taken away everything from his offensive line. Can't seem to pass block anymore. Tate, they trade away. Now Marvin Jones is on IR. Carry on Johnson's dinged up. This whole Lions team just needs a reset, which is sad because they just hired a head coach and Matt Patricia, probably 50-50 bet, is going to be gone, which is disappointing. 
Uh, I don't know about one season. I, I know they don't like him there, but I, I, you can't, I, I know it's the NFL, but one season with a lot of injuries and you know, that, that, I don't know if that trade was his call or the front office's call, but um, I'm sure it's the front office, but still we've seen it. I mean, I don't think it'd be fair for him to go, but we've seen numerous times lame ducks one and gone. And he's he, coming a long way. They, they hated him in camp and they hated him to be in the season. And they seem to kind of have his back now. So whatever he did before being a jerk coming there, trying to be the Patriots part two, uh, it's, it's kind of wore off now. He's a little bit more intimate with the guys. He, you know, he's kind of a little, a little more understanding and he's probably not so tough anymore. Uh, they, so I, I think the, the, the guys are kind of warmed up a little, warmed up to him a little bit, but he's still, uh, he's got some work to do to kind of warm up the front office to, uh, say he can, he can, his plan will work here, which isn't really working too well right now. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, let's let's get a little positive then, but somebody just as uh, just as many question marks, I would say. John, why don't you you stick with it with uh, famous, infamous Jameis? Well, I just traded for Jameis in my dynasty league, uh, so I'm uh, I'm all in on him. You know, the guy's young; he had some problems in the past, gets suspensions. You know, Fitzpatrick had a couple good seasons, a couple good weeks in his absence. They've been flip flopping back and forth. It's James' spot to lose. The, the, the franchise doesn't know what they're going to do in the future with him. They have to find out if they want to keep him or not. He, his fantasy numbers are fantastic. Um, he wins games. Uh, he, when he, he looks bad, he looks really bad. When he looks good, he you know he can look really good. But even looking bad sometimes, he, he gets the job done. So I, I think that over the next couple of weeks, when he settles in, he's got tons of tools there. I think he's going to get the job done. They're going to stick around. And probably, I would imagine, if – if they're just sick of his antics and they don't want him there anymore, which I think is a huge possibility, you know, I, I, I think the next couple of weeks could be very good for Janice. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, especially while talking about fantasy football, he's a fantasy, he's a huge fantasy tool for people to use in a week to week basis on a week to week basis. Yeah. And he's going up, he's going up against the Panthers this week. So that's, um, you know, that's always healthy for, uh, some opposing teams because it seems like the Panthers just can't stop anybody uh, defensively yet. Uh, so, Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell us which QB are you uh, propping up? Sure, but real quick on Winston. Um, like John said, he's fantasy gold, even though the Bucks are a mess. But three of the next four games are against good or decent matchups, including this week against Carolina and then next week in New Orleans. So if any of you fantasy owners are worried about, can he keep the job? Are we going to have another QB switch at some point this year? Just got to make it through these next two weeks. And then after that, you could probably find somebody else. Uh, but who I'm moving up, uh, third time's a charm, right, guys? Because two weeks ago I said play Watson. He did horrible. Last week I said bench him. He played well. QB won, in fact. So third time's a charm. Um, That's better than well, Mike. <laughs> um. Texas on eight-game winning streak. Watson has scored 20 or more fantasy points five times during that span, including three of the last four games. You know, Watson has done a good job pulling back the big weakness he has, which is the turnovers, the sacks. Um, the Browns, while they've won two straight games, defensively they have struggled. Over the last four games, they've given up nine uh, passing touchdowns at an average of 22 fantasy points per game to opposing QBs. Cleveland's coming in a little cocky. I think Houston is determined to keep this win streak going. They got one of the easier schedules the rest of the way out, have aspirations for a first-round bye. Keep the ball rolling. Deshaun Watson's played well. Let's see it keep going. He ran the offense very well the other night against – last night against uh, – Monday against Tennessee. He did a very good job of keeping the ball moving. 
Um, the defense helped put the put the offense in pretty good situations, but he did very good. Yeah, and, and when you have Hopkins, Kiki, uh, and Lamar Miller taking ninety-seven yard touches, like by the way, I hate you, Lamar Miller. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Uh, my quarterbacks, uh, I, I, I cheat, I always cheat my bad. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with two at the same time. Um, I'm going both Dak Andrew, um, not to give too much away for our preview into the, um, the upcoming week, but I expect the Thursday night saints Cowboys game, uh, to be a really good game. I expect it to be a shutout, uh, shootout, not a shutout, a shootout. Um, with both of them putting up really good numbers. Uh, I think the Saints defense isn't isn't that uh, formidable, um, and the Saints can score on anyone. So even though the Cowboys defense is, uh, I think, one of the you know upper echelon type of defenses, Drew Brees and that Saints team will be able to score. Um, and even though the Saints, they're they're not horrible, they're not you know bottom of the barrel defenses, but they're also not a great defense. They're not a, a you know top half defense from what I've been seeing. So I expect Dak and Drew to both be able to put up points. Uh, I would you know I'd say you could probably see both of them getting three touchdowns uh, in this game. Probably one rushing, one for deck, and two passing, um, and three, three through the air, if not more for Drew. Yeah, I agree. The Saints' strength of their defense is against the run, which means if Dallas has any chance in this game, Dak's going to have to make the ball, you know, make things happen through the air. Cooper has played well, as we saw on Thanksgiving. Hopefully, he can pull, carry over some of that to this Thursday night's game, because otherwise, this game's going to be a boring snooze fest by halftime. Yeah. Should be really unfortunate. But, yes. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the running backs. Um, I I mentioned it briefly um, before uh, with Lamar Miller getting the start. Lamar Miller getting the start means that he's improving that Ravens running game. And right now, Gus the Bus Edwards is the guy. Uh, I love the way that he runs. Um, not because it's anything particularly amazing, but because it's, it's straightforward, straight down, and it's perfect for the offense that they're running right now where they're doing a quick read option and – He's either taking the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands and going straight forward and leaving a defensive end, literally just sitting flat-footed and heading straight to the next level. And a lot of times running somebody over there to get a really nice gain. And if Alex Collins is out again, it just sets him up even more. And even if he's not out, if he's just a little bit limited, I think Gus, he's just looked so much better these past two weeks that you kind of have to, I think you've got to, you got to lean towards Gus over Alex Collins. 
uh, as the coaches, especially because they're both undrafted rookies or undrafted free agents. There's no loyalty to either of them. If Alex Collins was like a, you know, a first or second round, even a third, fourth round draft pick and Gus was, you know, undrafted, you could see that like, oh, well, Alex Collins is, you know, a little bit higher in the pecking order, but they're both undrafted guys and no, no kind of draft capital, capital loyalty there. I expect Gus the bus to have a really nice, nice week. Um, especially because the Ravens are going up against the Falcons, which is one of those teams that are, um, their defense is just kind of horrible. So, Totally agree. I kind of touch on that later when we go to the receiver position with Ridley. But yeah, as long as Lamar Jackson is still the QB, Gus the Bus is a thing. I like when it's a great match with Atlanta. They can't stop the run to save their life. Yeah. You know, ride the bus until the tires fall off. I don't like these undrafted free agents coming in, grabbing the load, grabbing the load like Alex Collins did. You know, it's Gus Edwards is doing the same thing as Alex Collins part two. You know, until Perhaps, they yeah. real draft. Absolutely. Until they find a real drafted running back that they could maybe get in the draft next year, or uh, I don't know what Ty Montgomery's going to do, but um, until they find yeah. a real a drafted running back they pick up earlier in the early rounds and a proven commodity, uh, this, these are just, it's all they are is just, uh, you know, patches on, on, the, on, the, on the running back position. Yeah, I, dynasty wise and redraft for next year. I think uh, definitely Alex Collins, there's, a, there's some recency biasy here, um, but I, I don't want to touch him because I picked up Alex Collins in a couple of leagues, traded for him, or I got him really as a throw-in in another trade, um, thinking that he's the Ravens guy. And the thing was, is he, he was the Ravens guy. He just wasn't the Ravens guy that he was at the end of last year. But if you can catch lightning in a bottle right now and get Gus Edwards now to close out your fantasy season, Alex Collins won me a championship last year. Gus Edwards could win me a new championship in a different league this year, partly because I didn't pick up Alex Collins and, you know, got Gus off the waiver wires. Yeah, I still like Alex Collins. I don't, you know, I, I for some reason he's not getting it done right now. But you know, obviously he's not doing what he did last year. But he has potential. He's he's just not. They're they're seeing something that he's doing to tip off where the ball is going, where he's going, what what the play is, what's everybody can read him now. It doesn't take long for coaches and players in the NFL to kind of figure out what somebody's doing, and they're figured out Alex Collins right now. They can see what you know something that he's giving up. They're all they're all picking up on it and stopping what stopping any production that he's having. Yeah. It's kind of like the little Tecmo bowl. uh, You picked the right play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing with Harbaugh coaching for his job reportedly, don't expect the Ravens to change anything while they're on a winning streak. So expect Lamar and Gus to keep getting run. Collins is dealt a foot injury. He may or may not be active this week. He wasn't last week. Um, Harbaugh is more concerned with keeping his job than he is with the team's long-term aspects. I like Gus Edwards down the stretch. The, the uh, schedule is really good for him. But for 2019 and beyond, I, I honestly think Baltimore tears up the backfield and makes all kinds of changes in the offseason, depending upon what happens at head coach. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike, who, who are you uh, propping up here? Uh, I'll touch on this game later as we kind of went over 
but I have Jalen Rashard as my guy I'm propping up this week. Now, I have him and Doug Martin both in the flex range, but the Chiefs' defense is the front against opposing backs, giving up 33 points a game. They've given up 41 or more in two of the last three games to opposing backs. The Raiders should be behind early in this game, which means plenty of check down catches and garbage time for Rashard, like we kind of talked about earlier. Um, Rashard is averaging 5.7 targets per game and has at least five catches in just over half his games this year. The spread on this is 15 points. Oakland, like you said, with the Giants earlier, they're very similar. They just want to tank, get the number one draft pick. This is the kind of game where you just look at Rashard and say he can get nine catches, 55 yards, and hopefully fall in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, it's not um, pretty, but, you know, when you're scrapping at the bottom of the barrel, especially with all the injuries we've had with now Melvin Gordon, he might be on your waiver wire, and it's not a bad pickup. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a wide uh, wide receiver, a running back to upside type of guy just because he catches the ball. Um, and the Raiders are going to be playing from behind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can see it. I mean, Doug Martin, actually, he actually looked pretty decent against Baltimore, which I don't know how I feel saying that. Uh, no. I mean, he went 11 for 51 in the touchdown against the Baltimore defense, which is, I mean, Baltimore is always a strong defense. So uh, I could see Doug Martin you know, doing a little, doing better against Tampa Bay. Uh, but this, this game is so just undecided for me. Like I can't figure out, is this going to be the game where the bucks put up 45 points or is this going to be the game where the bucks drive, you know, are able to move the ball for 500 yards and only put three points on the board. If that's the case, then Doug Martin, I think has a good game. If the latter was the, the the you know the outcome then I think Jalen Richard has a better game so it's like I don't I, I just I just don't know but I, if I had to pick out of the two I'd probably go Jalen Richard simply because of PPR I agree I and the game is going to be what's going to cause Richard to have the better game than Martin because if this game is out of hand they're going to pull Martin and play Richard now if it's close for some reason then Martin's going to keep the Chiefs off the field but. I so wanted DeAndre Washington to be the running back in this team all the way since last year, beginning of last year. I had so much faith in this guy that he, this was going to be the running, the future of the Oakland as soon as he got a shot. And, you know, he's not, I, you know, he's not panning out. He's behind these two guys too, but I think it'll be a 50, 50 split between Martin and Richard. Yeah. I mean, I really don't want to watch that game. <laughs> I mean, I, I will you know, but I, I really don't want to watch that game. It's it's not a game where it's like, oh, I'm super excited to watch Jalen Richard and Doug Martin go 50-50. Uh, but a game that I'm a little bit more interested in. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and say which running back you're, you're propping up? Propping up? Moving up? I'm moving on up to the, to the east side? A deluxe apartment in the sky? That's definitely not. That see that that's so wrong, John. Austin Eckler just uh I think it's we talked about it before. Uh, you know, just out of circumstance, I'm moving him up. Um I I think he'll the carries will be fifty fifty, like we talked about before. I just think Eckler's gonna do more of the carries that he that he has, and he's got a couple weeks to do it with. It's not a guy that's a one week fill in. It should be here for two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. I'll uh, probably like like Mike said before, all the way to the playoffs. Uh, it's someone that you know. This is a weekly show, but 
I think for the next couple of weeks, we could say that, you know, Austin Eckler will be in the stat column. So um, it's somebody I'm propping up right now. Yeah, uh, you, you can't deny it. He's He's got to be your number one pickup um, if he's still out there. Um, because he's he's going to get work for it. I'm, I'm going at least three to four weeks, which most fantasy leagues are going to be ending in that fourth week. That's going to be the championship game. So, uh, yeah, uh, Austin Eckler, fire him up. Again, like Jalen Richard, Richard, those PPR points are huge. Um, yeah, can't deny it. He's more like a fifth floor walk up on the, you know, in, in like Hell's Kitchen versus a deluxe <laughs> apartment on the east side. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it is what still it is. Up. Yeah, you see, you're still in Manhattan. It still works. <laughs> uh, yes. All right, you want to go with who you're dropping down, uh, John, also? I'd love to. I'm dropping down Edo Smith. Uh, he's a guy that was getting 50-50 work, um, doing his best to kind of – not 50-50 not work, but he was doing a lot more. He was getting some of the touchdown carries, getting the inside carries. Um, I, I He's been – as of lately, he's really not been showing uh, – he's getting a couple opportunities but not doing anything with them. I, you know, Freeman's not, you know, a spectacular back either right now. Um, I mean, uh, Coleman, but Edo Smith is just not, uh, he's not getting it done with, with the opportunities he has. Um, he's, and on top of that, his opportunities are going down. He, you know, he was up to seven, 10, 11. I think at one point in time, he had 11 carries a couple games in a row, but he's only getting a couple, not getting anything done with it. It's, it's someone that I thought was going to be, be able to share the 50 50 um, split. Um, but when Freeman went down, but he's really just, he's kind of falling off the radar right now. Yeah, I, I agree. This type of, uh, sorry, this Atlanta backfield has just been underachieving across the board. Ito's kind of supposed to take over that Freeman in between the tackles, goal line work. And surprisingly, the Falcons are actually throwing in the red zone, which is impressive. So uh, yeah, at the very least, you're moving him to the bench and not trusting him or you're dropping him in situations where you need handcuffs or whatever. But unless you're the Tevin Coleman owner and you want to handcuff him in case, knock on wood, there's another injury in that Falcons backfield, you can't trust him to play him. No, it's uh, it's it's uh, I, I thought he would be coming and he'd be the Freeman. I think when when this season's over with, you know, and um, and Coleman's possibly going in free agency, um, I, I'm not sure what'll happen with him and Freeman. They're both kind of close to the same kind of back, so I don't know what what the story's going to be next year. Um, but you know, we'll see. Freeman has me a little nervous because of injuries, but uh, yeah, that that whole situation's really up in the air. That's going to be a very, very interesting situation to follow, especially through the off season. Yes. Yeah. Right. So let's move on now. Uh, we're going to do mine and Mike's together. Uh, because Mike, you're dropping down Marlon Mack, and I'm dropping down just all of the Colts running backs. So you want to start specifically about Marlon Mack, and you'll probably talk about why I'm dropping down all of them. I'm going to guess it's because of the matchup like we went over earlier with Jacksonville being the number two. Okay, done. All right, let's move on. It's pretty much that combined with the concussion concerns <laughs> and the fact that Luck had a field day picking apart the Jaguars secondary two weeks ago. None of these running backs should be played this week. Moving on. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Wide receivers. Uh, let's jump into some wide receivers you should play then. Uh, we're going to start off with the one that I think is going to take the most time because uh, I, I just completely am not sure about it. So, uh, Mike, since I cut you off short with your who you're running backs you're dropping with, uh, what wide receiver are you propping up and do tell why? This makes absolutely no bleeping logical sense, but this is totally a gut play. Golden Tate, and here's why. Every time the Eagles and the Redskins play on Monday night, something wacky happens. You guys remember, it was, what, eight or nine years ago now, the uh, Redskins traded for McNabb, gave him this big six-year contract, despite he was in his mid to late 30s. And then Monday night against the Eagles, Michael Vick goes absolutely bonkers. McNabb looks like a total bum, and the Redskins are fools. Well, that's just one of the examples that happens when these two teams play on Monday night. And I think we're going to see Tate break out. Um Tate has totally struggled. Only 20 fantasy points in the three games since coming over from Philly. Yet the Redskins are the ninth friendliest team against opposing receivers, giving up 39 points a game. Uh, Fabian Monroe in the nickel spot has had his blunders the last couple of weeks, second-year player. Uh, Redskins giving up 44 more fantasy points in three of the last four games to opposing receivers. The winner of this game is now in second place in the NFC, or the, yeah, the NFC East. And depending upon what happens to that Dallas-New Orleans game, they could be only a game back at first place. Philly, I think, has a little bit of hope in terms of getting their act together and maybe pushing Dallas for the division. Washington is already half on IR, the other half thinking about vacation in January. I just think if we're ever going to see Philly's offense get it together this year, it has to happen this week. That's pretty bold. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. Uh, I don't see it happening, but I, I get the I, I get the gut play aspect of it, and I I actually kind of like it. So logically, I, I, it makes no sense whatsoever. But you know, every time the Redskins and the Eagles play, something wacky it tends to happen. So who knows? Uh, I mean, you you did have to go back eight years to make your argument. Well, they don't but. play on Monday night every year, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Just every time the Redskins are on national TV, it seems like they just totally screw up and let the other team's most unknown player or most in a funk player just all of a sudden snap out of it and play phenomenal. So for fantasy, it's hopefully good fortune this happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it's not Golden Tate. Maybe it's somebody else. But, hey, more more power to you. Way to, way to, way to be out there. And if uh, I'm wrong, it's not the first time, won't be the last. So, you know. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, John and I are talking about uh, the same guy, and I cheated, so it's like half of my my guys. Uh, so, so yeah, and I, I told, I'm a cheater. Sorry, uh, don't worry. I cheated with the tight ends also. I think I'd win more, more, even more fantasy then. Uh, but even still. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and start us off with uh, DJ Moore. You're propping him up. I'm propping him up. Uh, why are you propping up DJ Moore? You know, I, I, I think he's the best receiver in this draft class. He's, uh, you know, the season started. I was expecting right after the week four bye for him to kind of show, kind of show out. Um, and he didn't do so for a couple of weeks. Uh, within the last two or three weeks, he's really been stepping it up. They're, they're targeting him. Cam's targeting him more. He's doing more. It's a great, he's an awesome guy, at, a great receiver at catching the ball. 
making things happen after the ball's in his hand. Um, it's it, Cam's trusting him more. He's doing more with the, with the trust the throws. Uh, he, he's, I think it's just what the doctor ordered this week um, when they, when they're playing Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, this is I, I think the train's going to just keep rolling at this point in time. It's it's just it's a fantastic situation for him to be in. Uh, it's I, I love it. Uh, Curtis Samuel's taking some you know a couple of catches. You know, and uh, Torrey Smith's a little bit injured lately, so DJ Moore is taking advantage of this this situation. And uh, we're seeing a little bit less and less of Greg Olson, even though he's getting his red zone touchdown almost every week. But um, I think DJ Moore is by far uh, a shining star from from here on out. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. DJ Moore was one of my top guys um, as a wide receiver that I was looking at coming out of this draft. He literally just excelled in everything. He excelled in the metrics. He excelled on tape. He excelled on, um, you know, his stats from college, um, all the kind of wonky metrics that people put together. Uh, he he was just tops in all of them. Um, he also very well fits this offense where they have those kind of hybrid receiver running backs with MCM or CMC, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. So it's a great fit for this offense with Funches being dinged and Torrey Smith out the last couple of games. He's really stepped into that number one role. I like yeah. Moore and Samuels a lot this week. Tampa Bay secondary, we know we picked on all year long. It's absolute trash. This is a game where you play both in DS- DFS and you just watch the money come in. Yeah, and that big rip on DJ Moore was that he wasn't so much of a great route runner that he was more of a kind of a, you know, I don't want to say impromptu, but he made things happen. And this, what what our offense can you go to that just things just happen? Greg Olson made a living on making things happen by running back and forth, waiting for Cam to decide to throw the ball. And uh, DJ Moore is kind of getting open, and Cam knows where to find him at. He's they're on the same page now, uh, and this is exactly what he needed. He fits perfect in this offense. Yep. Um, and I'm just going to just tag on, you mentioned him a little bit already, Curtis Samuels. I'm just hanging him on this one also, um, partly because the matchup is so good, partly because they're becoming the one and two wide receivers in this offense um, because uh, Funches is hurt, because Torrey Smith is hurt, um, because Greg Olson, yes, he's getting his, you know, one catch for one yard for one touchdown. It's excellent you know, efficiency there, but you know, that these two guys, one, they're just electric. Um, and two, you know, they are the future of this Carolina team. I don't think you're going to see Funches, you know, six, five, 200, whatever pounds. Like he's, he's like Kelvin Benjamin all over again. Just not quite as awful. Uh, yeah. Fat. Chubby wubby. Um, So, yeah, uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuels, they can move. And that's what's so amazing about this Carolina offense. And and just smart coaching. You have incredibly fast, active players. That is all you need to do is get them into space. So what do you do? You get them into space and let them take care of business. That's why DJ Moore had it, you know, is having better and better games. That's why Curtis Samuel, you know, his games are a little more hit and miss. It's a little more touchdown dependent. But he has all of a sudden, it's like, oh, damn, that was a 
that was one one amazing play he just put on. That's why you know CMC's last game was just in you know incredible. He had a hundred yards receiving and rushing. So uh, yeah, basically the whole Carolina offense is being propped up right now. But my wide receivers DJ Moore, Curtis Samuels. Uh, you ready to drop some guys down? Yeah, let's get to the bed. All right, Mike, go ahead and hit it. So I have screwed up on Watts in the last couple of weeks, and I've really been on point. I said sit him two weeks ago. Last week I said play him. And versus Saints, he finishes the wide receiver 10 for the week, 21 points. However, I got him outside my top four receivers this week because of the matchup. Ravens are the third toughest team against receivers, giving up just under 30 points a game. And this kind of goes back to what we are talking about with Gus Edwards before. Since Lamar Jackson has taken over, the Ravens are averaging 36 minutes in time of possession per game and have 48 team rushes a game. They are going to control the clock against this terrible Falcons run defense, limit the number of possessions Matt Ryan and that Falcons offense get. And we've seen Ridley struggle when he goes up against good corners between Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphreys. I don't think he's going to get free, expect a high target game for Julio and everybody else to struggle. I, I just don't like the Falcons outside of uh, Julio this week. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. He's getting all the action right now. That's uh, you can't deny it. That's that's where the ball's going. Running backs aren't doing it. Uh Matt Ryan's gotta throw to somebody and Julio's the man. He's, he's yeah kind of breaking out lately. Yeah, it's I mean Calvin Ridley could have that blow up game that you're just not expecting, but uh it's that's so difficult to call that. So difficult. Especially when the matchup's not pretty. His two best games have been against the Saints this year, and Baltimore's defense is the total opposite. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, so we're dropping down similar guys here. Uh, John and I again, which is kind of funny that we both propped up similar guys and dropping down similar guys. Uh, John, why don't you go first with who you're dropping down? Sure. I am dropping down Marquez Valdez Scanling. I uh, he, for a while there he looked like he was moving up the depth chart, like he had the he had the faith of Aaron Rodgers. Um, he knew where to be. Aaron Rodgers could kind of throw up the jump ball in, in tough situations and he'd be there. He, he had lightning speed down the field, burning guys. And for some reason this offense is just not clicking anywhere, uh, besides Devontae Adams. It's just the, the Devontae Adams show lately. Um, you know, Randall Cobb's been hurt. Economy St. Brown is coming in in spot action. Um, Jamon Moore, a couple plays. And now they got Jay Kumarow back. Um, my son's looking at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, and that's where this Kumarow guy's from, and he's a stud. Um, he got hurt. He was had a really good preseason, got hurt in, uh, right before the regular season started. Um, but it's Jay Kumarow. Watch out for him in the future. Um, but he's – everybody's going to be taking a little bit, you know, one and two and maybe three catches for minimal yards – Minus Devontae Adams in this offense, so I'm, I'm dropping down Valdez Scanling just just for a week or so. I think, uh, you know, when when when, they, when Rodgers figures out where he's going, I think he'll go back to Scanlon, who was showing signs of being a, a really good, as uh, very good pro- progressing as a, as a your rookie receiver. Yeah, uh, I think his progress is, you know, I, I think he's going to progress and become better and better. Uh, but I, I do agree. I think there's, uh, and I'm going to jump into the guy that I'm dropping down as well because I'm dropping down Devonte Adams. 
Um, I think there's something wrong with this Packers offense, um, which is a, it's going to affect MVS. It's going to affect Devonte Adams. I, I literally have on the show notes Wentz or Rogers. And I didn't talk about dropping, dropping down uh, Rogers during the quarterbacks, but I mean, I think I could have easily dropped them down just by the, the fact that, that they don't look like the Packers right now. And literally people are talking about the Packers running the table and having a playoff shot. And yes, Aaron Rodgers has historically been a phenomenal quarterback, but the fact of the matter is he has only four games over 20 fantasy points. Over 20 fantasy points is like the bare minimum to be a QB one. And yes, fantasy points and wins in real life don't line up exactly, but there is some correlation there. And if you look at Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams has only two games above 20 points and same thing with wide receivers. You need a minimum of 20 points typically to be a wide receiver one, especially in a full point PPR. And, and, and Devonte Adams two games over 20 points were, were stellar though. He was on fire. Well, his two games over 20 points were against San Francisco and Detroit. And those were in week five and week six. We're going into week 13 and his most recent games, he had uh, 12 points, 16 points, 17 points. Like he's like, he's doing all right for you, but you want you need Devonte Adams to score like Thielen twenty six points, Julio Jones twenty three, um, Stephen Diggs twenty two. Uh, I mean Keenan Allen twenty. Like th- that's just from this last week of guys drafted in the same round that were all wide receiver ones. You drafted Devontae Adams to be your wide receiver one, and he's just not putting up those numbers that you would expect from him. And, yes, his his numbers for this past week should have been better because there was um, a miss miss throw in the end zone that – that, that he didn't catch and uh, it was kind of a it was a bad throw and a bad and a bad attempt at a catch and so it should have been better but that that to me is just even more evidence that this offense is not where it's supposed to be no I, I, I and everybody thought that as soon as Aaron Rodgers knee healed up and he got to be a little bit better he'd be slinging the ball all over the place running uh, you know making the offense better and it's gotten worse I understand that but I I disagree with the Adams. I think that he is going to be the, you know, he is the number one on the undisputed number one on green Bay. The rest of them has been just a big murky puddle of, you know, switching. It's like a carousel of who do I throw the ball to one or two times a game. Oh yeah. He'll, he'll be the number. He'll be the number one on green Bay. Part of the problem with this coming week though, is he's going to be up against Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals defense, the Cardinals defense, we're not going to talk about that, but Patrick Peterson is going to be lined up against Devonte Adams a lot, and he's the like honestly out of the entire Cardinals team, he's kind of the shining star of that entire 
that entire team. He's yeah, the she, one guy that you know is going to show up every single day, do his job, and do it very, very well. And that's his job is to shut down the other team's wide receiver one. Well, so, you're right about Go, go ahead, John. What are you going to say? You are 100% right about that. That's uh, that's going to be a tough matchup this week. I'll, 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 give, I'll give you that much for the weekly the weekly argument, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have Devontae Adams in a couple of leagues. I'm not, I'm not going to sit Devontae Adams, but I'm going to be pissed off because he's, he's supposed to be my wide receiver one or in a dynasty league, he's my wide receiver two, which makes me feel a little bit better, but he's been putting up wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver, you know, three numbers. And that's not what you drafted him for. And right now, this week, he's probably going to be definitely a wide receiver too. Yeah. No, I don't know about wide receiver two. Except I think you looked up the wrong numbers there when you're talking about over 20. In standard, you're right. He only has two such games. In PPR, he's got five over 20. Um, I agree with what you guys are saying. This whole Packers offense seems out of whack and weird. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to move down Adams this week. Yeah, a couple of spots because, like he said, he's going to get the Patrick Peterson treatment, and that's just no fun whatsoever. Although he has played relatively well against upper echelon corners against Xavier Rhodes last week, he got 18 PPR points. But the playoff schedule is very nice: Atlanta, Chicago, and then the Jets. And two of those teams just cannot cover receivers worth a damn. Yeah. So. Uh, and thank you for that. I, I, I did. I did leave it in standard scoring there. But even even still, with that those games, he's still not not what you want from your wide receiver one. Like he, Adam Thielen is the wide receiver one one. Like he's right now doing amazing. He's a hundred yards like every single game, just about. Um, so it's hard to like compare him to him, but you drafted Adam, Adam Thielen and maybe the second if he fell really far the third round like at this point you're like I'm in a couple leagues in the fourth either yeah like fourth but yeah I mean to to even for Devonte even Devonte Adams to even have these games in you know some of them like just just not good like he's 16 17 17 16 18 um, yeah, he has he has a, a handful of games, 20, 21. Those are borderline wide receiver one, wide receiver two games. And then he has his three where he's definite wide receiver one numbers. It, it's it's tough. But then you, you are 100% correct. I had the standard ones. I was, I was cheating a little bit. Look <laughs> yeah, no, the standard instead of PPR. I, I agree with what you're saying. Thielen and Tyreek Hill, the two receivers ahead of them in terms of average points per games in PPR, they offer much more upside. Um, I'm with John though about MVS. I've actually dropped him in a couple of leagues. I don't want anything to do with the Packers offense outside of obviously Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Adams. It's 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 wacky what's going on in Green Bay, and I don't know if this is something that they can fix this year or not. Hopefully, they can run the table and at least make the playoffs interesting. See if they can get in or not. But yeah, honestly, I would not be surprised if Arizona pulls the upset this week. Yeah, they're just try- they're trying to force the run game on people and. Uh... That's fine and all, but if you're going to force the run game, you got to do some play action and get the receivers some balls, not just one guy all the time either. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I just want to make it very clear. 
I'm not saying Devontae Adams is bad in any sense. I'm just saying, I, I especially for this coming week, I just, I, I'm just not happy with what he's going to put up. I, I think, I, th- I think it's going to be very bad. Temper your expectations against Peterson, especially if the Cardinals play a lot of man coverage, and Rogers is going to have to look elsewhere. I totally agree. Yep, and. From there, I think we had everybody in terms of wide receivers. So let's go ahead and jump over into tight ends. And who who, who wants to pick this one up? I kind of want to hear. Uh, I kind of want to hear John's prop up first, um, just because it's it, yeah. it's it, it's it's funny to me. Let's hear about Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. I just I, I was going Roseanne show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just someone I think is taking over the tight end role in New Orleans. I think he'll be able to get um, open, get a couple. Um, uh, when there's always been, there's been a history of tight ends in New Orleans, even though I'm not a huge fan of of uh, um, the, the Saints offense, they've always kind of spread the ball around so much. There's never been a um, a, a super awesome. Uh, the wide receiver anywhere across the board. This year has been great uh, with, um, geez, where am I? Number one receiver in New Orleans. Why am I? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas down. Geez. Uh, this year has been great with Michael Thomas, but in the history of Drew Brees offense, he's been just a guy you never could have a number one receiver on that team because he spread the ball around so much. But the tight ends with Jimmy Graham and a couple other guys, uh, tight ends, he kind of used about the same as everybody else, four or five, six, uh, six targets. And I'm, I'm happy with, with that kind of production from a tight end, especially this year. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a constant flow of, of targets for at that position for him. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with, with, I'm just getting pelted four or five receptions a season. Everybody else is gone. So if I can get four for 50, you know, maybe a touchdown every couple of weeks, uh, that's someone I'm, I'm, I'm taking over. He seems to have won the battle over there or by default become the number one tight end over there. Play any saint that you have always when you have Drew Brees throwing the ball and just hope that, you know, he's the next Keith Kirkwood or Dan Arnold or Jimmy Joe Bob. We just signed from the street and uh, going to score us touchdown Smith. I mean, well, I, I think Ben Watson's kind of uh, slowly going to the wayside now. I, I think that I think that this is a job that is going to be run, uh, going to be won and starting to slowly take over by Dan Arnold. That's just what I feel. So starting this week. A couple more catches um, as it goes on. Hopefully, it'll be a couple more and a couple more and a couple more, and it'll be the Dan Arnold show uh, in the future for uh, for New Orleans. I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be much of anything the rest of the year. It's a nice speculative ad in Dynasty. Just you're right. New Orleans hasn't had a real dominant tight end since Jimmy Graham was traded, and maybe this guy turns into the next you know unknown tight end who turns into something. Antonio Gates on a poor man's version, maybe, but. Yeah, I'm not talking myself into it. Sorry, I'm off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm probably not picking him up unless, unless, like, there's just nothing out there for tight end. Like, would I pick him up over 
Matt Lacoste in Denver? Yup. No. No? No. Oh, I would. No. Okay. Interesting. Uh, well, who 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 are you prepping up there? Uh, who are you prepping up, Mike? Well, it was going to be Mr. Lacrosse, as I like to call him, but I figured that'd be a name nobody ever heard of. So I want a little more obvious choice than Cameron Brake. First game without O.J. Howard, he scored just under 12 fantasy points, his highest since week four, finishing the week outside the top 12, just barely at 13 by like a point and a half. But Panthers, friendliest team against tight ends, giving up just under 18 a game. They've given up almost 20 and five in the last seven games, including 26 to the Bucks in week nine. Uh, outside those elite, you know, four or five guys, we always talk about every week, Ertz, uh, Kelsey, Kittle, whatnot. I think Brenta must play this week. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, it's I, I I didn't want to go with him because I figured he'd be the de facto number one with no competition. I was trying to find someone a little deeper. It was either Chris Herndon or you know Arnold on, on my on my radar this week. So those are my two look lookalikes or my my two lookaheads. Well, speaking of Herndon, he's my guy. I'm actually moving down. So John, you and I are just not on the same page at all this week. <laughs> Tight ends are hard. To, they're very hard to to, to you know even. To figure okay. out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Herden. He's played well. He scored 10 or more points in, you know, four of his last six games, including a career high seven catches last week, which resulted in just under 13 PPR fantasy points. But the match this week makes me want to put him back on the waiver wire. They're going against the Titans. They're the toughest team against Titans, giving up just under seven and a half points per game. They haven't allowed a tight end score a touchdown all year long. And the only tight end they've given up more than 10 and a half fantasy points to this season was Zach Gertz, and we could all agree that Chris Herndon is not even one-tenth of what Zach Gertz is. So I like him in terms of, you know, what he means going forward the rest of this year, and in Dynasty, I just don't like this week. Yeah, Tennessee's tough, number one. Yeah. And and let's be honest, it's especially this year and most years, it's tough to trust any Jet player. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's kind of like the Browns historically. Like, you, yeah, you get a, a one or two Browns where it's like, okay, we're, we're throwing them in. Duke Johnson last year. Yeah, let's let it ride. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's real tough to trust any Jet because just the whole team is so mismanaged. Um, so, it, yeah, I can, I can definitely see the Chris Herndon thing. Um, also with you know, Sam Darnold not being necessarily the most accurate of quarterbacks. Uh, it's hard to say whether or not Herndon's going to get enough kind of work of catchable balls that he can actually do something with. So, yeah. Well, is he going, he's going to play this week? It don't look like it. No, is again, he, his, foot's, his foot's still like uh, he hasn't recovered from that foot situation yet. They need right. to get him on the field. I thought he was starting to feel a little bit better. We'll have to have to look into the injury news again and see if he's feeling a little bit better. But they, right. they got Josh McCown still penciled in, I think. And who who are you dropping down there, Mike? Uh, sorry, John. Uh, let me get to my. The suspense is killing us, John. I know. What's funny is it, it, it's somebody that I literally have cut in like two two leagues. Also, I'm, I'm spoiling it for you. It's Ricky Seals. Ricky Jones. Seals Jones. I know. I he's he's made me a fool, and 
too bad for you, Ricky. You're going to the bench, Ricky. Sorry, you're not even going to the bench. You're going to the waiver wire, Ricky. You're going back in the pool. You uh, know, he, he's good because he is a bad. I mean, he's, he's got tons of air yards all year long. He's not doing anything with it. Uh, you know, it, recently he's, uh, you know, gotten worse with a couple less targets. But, uh, you know, he's somebody that I thought, man, he, this guy has to pan out because he's getting so many passes. He's, he's getting open. He's wide, against the Bears. He had a big touchdown. Uh, wide open in the middle of the field. Um, he just, he doesn't, he's not making the best of the opportunities he has. And every week it's, it's, you're, you're expecting something from him and he's getting less and less, you know, it, it, you know, now you're expecting what, maybe one or two catches a week for five or six targets, but he's not, uh, he, Rosen's just missing him. He's not, he's not catching anything. Uh, a couple of balls off his fingertips. He's uh, not in the right position. Uh, for someone who had a lot of hype coming in or after the first couple of weeks of hype because of all the, the targets, he just, he's not producing. Yeah. And I think Byron, Byron Leftwich had us all fooled thinking that he was going to, you know, kind of turn around this uh, Cardinals offense. And uh, I, I wanted to believe it. I, I was getting there in terms of believing it. And then uh, they just, it's the Cardinals. 2018 Cardinals, they're, they're, they're just not good. Yeah, I was looking up some Sam Darnold stuff, so sorry about the delay, the delay there, guys. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to super fast do, do, do my tight ends. Um, my tight end is a tight end that I've talked about a whole bunch, but I'm sticking with him, and uh, he can't really go up much higher than he is right now, but I, I think you need to fire him up on all cylinders uh throw a little turbo boost into the engine also uh eric ebron god i hate hearing his name oh <laughs> it, yeah, it, it makes, i love it it makes me feel so good uh, uh this I, conversation from before the season has just haunted me all year long yeah and 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 that's part of it is that jack doyle is now gone to ir Again, hopefully everything's fine with his kidney because that just sounds terrible. But he's now he him and T. Y. Hilton are now basically the only pass catchers on that offense. Like who who else are they going to throw the ball to? Zach Pascal, uh, Mo Alley Cox. Yeah, Mo Alley Cox, Eric Swoop, Swoop, Swap. He's on is, IR. Is, is he on IR too? Like. It's Chester Rogers, Don I mean, Mo Ali Cox, uh, your local janitor. Take your pick. It's just yeah. all trash. Like they're 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 gonna hope the Saints cut a tight end so that they can pick a tight end up, just so that they can keep three tight ends in the rotation randomly uh, to get a touchdown every now and then. So yeah, Eric Ebron, he he's the guy. Um, he's hopefully. You know, hopefully you got him super cheap early on in the season and you kept him this entire way. And in in a in a season when you have Ertz, you have Kittle, you have um who am I leaving off? Kelsey, you know, Gronk is coming back a little bit, but basically you have three tight ends at the very top, um, possibly a fourth with Gronkowski, and Ebron is the fifth. You start those guys every single week. 
And my drop for the week is basically everyone else. It's <laughs> it, it it's all and just he a, brought our bus for Seth. That's it. And, well, it's those it's those it's those five guys. It's Ertz. It's Ebron. It's Gronk. It's Kittle. It's um, Kelsey. It's, Kelsey. it's Arnold. RJ. No, no. All, all, everybody else is. It's just a crapshoot. If you don't have one of those top five, you play roulette. You know, just. I don't know about roulette, but you're definitely taking a downgrade there. Although I do really like uh, Greg Olson this week going against Tampa. I actually have him ahead of Ebron, but just for the week. But I agree with you. Those are the five, quote unquote, elite tight ends. And then after that, you're talking about guys who are, you're hoping for a touchdown or bust in most cases. Yeah. And and Ebron shows he gets those touchdowns. So Ebron just got traded in my dynasty league today. It was Ebron, Peyton Barber, and a fifth round pick for a first round pick next year's draft. Ooh. That's a little steep. That's way too steep. I feel like whoever, I feel like that that uh, Ebron is worth more than a first, right? Am I right, guys? Am I right? No, stop drinking stuff. <laughs> I feel like he's. The only reason he's doing this is because the whole team's injured besides him, and he's looking like a star. But I, I, yeah, he's like, I feel like I'm a baby. My parents are feeding me all the good stuff that I have to eat, even though I hate eating it. This is Eric Ebron. I'm eating the the broccoli and the carrots and all the rest of the stuff that tastes horrible. But it's I'm getting it shoved down my throat, and it's Ebron, and it makes me sick. But it's 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 working, you know. Well, I think Seth and I could talk about Ebron for another what two three hours, Seth. What do you think? Mm-hmm. No, he, he's the best. Done. Done. Not moving, right. on. Moving, on, moving on. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, quickly jump into uh, looking forward to next week. Um, thank God. No more buys. It's finally all over, uh, which means, though, that this is also coming close to the end of the regular fantasy season. Um, so week 13 I'm firing up the Thursday night game, which I feel really, you know, weird about because Thursday night games are so terrible. And I feel like I've picked a lot of Thursday night games. Um, But maybe that just means that Thursday night, they're actually putting on some halfway decent teams. But this Thursday, you have the Saints Cowboys. I mentioned a little bit earlier, I expect this game to be a shootout. Um, And, I've mentioned it plenty of times. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm going to be watching this game no matter what. But I actually think there's a a lot of really fun things to watch in this game. Can Zeke uh, run against the Saints D? Can Dak and Cooper kind of keep their their little mojo going? Um, and Drew Brees is just amazing, and Michael Thomas is great, and Drew Brees is going to find you know Michael Thomas or the plethora of, you know, randos that he was like at the parking lot. Hey, Hey, who wants to play some football today? You all right? Somebody get this guy a helmet, go out there, catch touchdowns. Um, so yeah. I, and let's not forget, you know, they have Ingram Kamara. So this, this game, I'm going to be disappointed if this game finishes with less than, you know, six, seven, eight combined touchdowns. There's a lot on the there's a lot on the line with this game for both teams. The Saints in terms of home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Dallas in terms of taking a bigger hold on the division lead. So it's definitely going to be an interesting game from all kinds of aspects. I don't know if we're going to get seven or eight touchdowns, but this game should end in somewhere in the 
30s for both teams if we get lucky. New Orleans minus seven and a half. What do you think? Uh, if they can run the ball, Dallas, I'll take Dallas in the points. If they just can't run the ball and force Dak to start 45, 50 times, I'll take New Orleans despite the points. Yeah, I was I was going to go Cowboys in the points. I, I If it's just straight up, even though my heart wants to say Cowboys, uh, realistically speaking, I think the Saints win it. Uh, I think the Cowboys keep it close, though. Uh, so if you said like seven and a half, I would easily say Cowboys plus seven and a half. Well, that's what the line's at, seven and a half. That's exactly seven and a half. Exactly seven and a half. <laughs> um, Cowboys, put money on it, bet if, your house if, on it. They, don't, don't blame me if you lose. Disclaimer, right? Exactly. Don't, don't take if, any of my bets. If they can run the ball and at least somewhat slow down New Orleans, I actually think Dallas has a chance to win outright. But you're talking like, you know, 70, 30 at best odds. It's New Orleans going to win this thing, more than likely. All right. Uh, John, which game are you excited for watching? Uh, I'm excited to watch uh, the Bears-Giants. Um, I, I'm, as, a, as a Dolphins fan, my second favorite team is the Bears. And um, I, have, I have Kyle Aletta in my Dynasty League, so I'm hoping he gets to start this week. They, get, they can finally sit down uh, Manning. Uh, but the, that worked well from last year. Yeah, really well. <laughs> the real situation is uh, Mitch Trubisky, Mr. Biscuit. See if uh, if he's ready to go this this week or not. Uh, that's going to determine a lot. There's it's a pick 'em right now. I mean, there's no there's no line on it at all because of the injury implications. But uh, I want to see the Bears really hammer the Giants this week and uh, keep rolling forward with their with their lock on the on, on the division. So this is means a lot to me to watch the Bears roll forward, and just not that I'm expecting Kyle Lett to be the next Dan Marino or nothing, but it's nice to pick up pieces on Dynasty League and have them, you know, start at least get a shot to see what they, what you got in there before the, at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to the Bears just annihilating the Giants. And everybody hates the Giants. Yeah, well, a little bit. Well. Which doesn't doesn't work for me living in you know New York and in the New York City area, so uh, but yeah, uh, no Giants live here, so go Bears, the Bears. I should be a Giants fan because again, a kid we grew up with, uh, David Deal played for the Giants for about twelve years. Uh, he's uh, their family friend of the family. He's a good dude, um, but I just can't. I hate everything about New York, so. Everything, everything, including you guys. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, what are you looking at? Well, um, usually I go through and plug my weekly rankings and start it, but you guys by now have to know where they're at. They're on Twitter at Mike Sports Twenty Two. In case you didn't know, um, I'm taking a gambling aspect this week in terms of the Chiefs Raiders game. We talked about the spread being 15 points, and I think this game could be a potential trap game. Now, before you go out and bet the Raiders outright, I don't think that's going to happen. But we saw what happened with Kansas City a few weeks ago against Arizona right before the big game against the Rams. They were 17.5-point favorites, I believe, and they only won by 12, and it was kind of a fluky, not a runaway game like we all expected. Um, the Chiefs schedule the rest of the year. At the Raiders this week, Ravens, Chargers, at Seahawks, Raiders to close the year out. Between the two Raiders games, they got three teams who are going to be in the playoffs or fighting for playoff positioning. 
this is a critical stretch for the Chiefs in terms of they want to keep home field advantage away from the Patriots, which I think is a must if they're going to actually make it to the Super Bowl. So, you know, by all means, not telling you to go bet the Rams plus 15, or I'm sorry, the Raiders plus 15, but it's tempting because I think this game could easily end in a 10 or 11 point game. Worst case, hell, it may be a five or six point game if Kansas City's got their minds thinking about that critical three game stretch coming up. Yeah, interdivision home dogs is a horrible bet. That's uh, for some reason, you know, that's it never really works out when you got a powerhouse going in a shitty team. Um, you go in their house favored by tons. It never really works out that way. Especially yeah. when you don't expect them to do anything because you think they're totally just blowing the season away. It's week 13. They're looking at the draft and it's like, oh, crap, they caught us by surprise. We actually have to play serious in the fourth quarter. You nailed it. It's a trap game, I think. Exactly. Yeah, th- this seems so trappy, but I also feel like the Chiefs are kind of like uh, kind of like modern day NBA, where it's like eh, we don't need to play till the fourth quarter, anyways. Oh wait, they're actually playing hard. Oh yeah, don't, don't worry, we'll still win in the fourth quarter. This has backdoor cover written all over it. Yeah, I, I'm a John. Yeah, yeah, I, I can totally see that in terms of betting lines. I, I. I I can't imagine a way, though, that the Chiefs walk out of, you know, they they board the plane in Oakland going, I can't believe we lost that game. Are we sure we lost it? Uh, I can't see see that. I don't see them losing it either. I just think the spread is ridiculous given the game scenario. But, yeah, the Chiefs should be in a straight-up pick on the Chiefs should be 100% bet on. It's just the spread makes me worry that they think ahead and then, Oakland sneaks in a last minute, you know, touchdown or whatever, and it gets under to 10 or 11, you're screwed. So we may, we may be thinking too much, and the Chiefs may roll in there and just score 42 points and just destroy the Raiders, too. But probably, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, like, isn't that like the Chiefs' MO is just like, eh, we're gonna put up 50? Yeah, they sure the hell could do it. Yeah, it's kind of like Alabama football, but for the NFL version. Yeah, yeah, we don't need the fourth quarter, we'll beat you in three. Yeah. <laughs> and with and with that, it is now our ending fourth quarter. So fellas, say one more time where everybody can find you. I'll go ahead and go first. You guys can find me on Twitter at Mike Sports22. All kinds of content coming out for you guys. Make sure you follow Seth and John, the rest of the FFD two sixty family. Uh, any questions, by all means hit any of us up. We'll be happy to help. Yes, you can find me, John McGlynn, at Meathead underscore 75. Um, you can find me, the FF Dynasty 260. A lot of good content on the site. Look it up. And you'll enjoy it. And uh, all you, Seth. Yeah, and I am the at-home dad. You can hit me up on Twitter at, F, at the FF at-home dad. Um, sorry, FF the at-home dad. Got to get my own name right. Man. <laughs> John's drank, uh, Seth, you drank too much tonight. I know so much. Gotta go teach the kitties of America tomorrow morning. (laughs) With that being said, good night, everybody. Have fun. Good luck as you make your push towards the playoffs. See you in a week. See you next week, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone.